Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. In John 11, starting in verse 1, you have the story of Lazarus. If I can find it. There you go. All right. And it says in verse 1 Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. In this story, I, I don't know about you, but this, this story has always intrigued me. So many different parts, and I want to hopefully bring out some different thoughts and, and questions um, today that, that will help us to, to understand God and, and Christ and who he is and how he works in our lives. And first and foremost, in these first couple of verses, it says Lazarus is from Bethany. And you know this name Lazarus, it actually means God is my help. God is my help. And I love that because in these, you know, we think about, I I love names and, of course, words and their meanings, but I I love how in the Bible times, not only did they think about those meanings of names, but how much God used in His Word a person's name and the meaning to to really help us to understand by bringing out what he wanted to do in their life and how he was going to provide or or bring this miracle and to see that his name was God is my help. It was in his name that God was going to provide for him and be there with him. And I love that. Do we know that, you know, I... I would take everything and make it a question because it makes me question myself and what I'm thinking. Do we know that God is our help? You say, yeah, I know that. You know, and, and we all can say that, but in down, down in, the, in, the, in the moments where we're really struggling, do we know that our actions, our, how we're walking or how we're speaking about what we're going through, does it reflect that we know that God is our help? It says that Lazarus was sick. Mary and his sister Martha sent for him. And I I love that it it brings out each and, and every one of them individually 
But whenever Mary and Martha sent for him and, and they sent and, and said, the one who you love, they didn't even have to say his name. And, and in this, I think, wow, that, that Jesus, they, they said, Jesus knows him. He knows who he is and, and he loves him. And, and, and they're just going to say, the one who you love is sick. Do you know that he loves you? I think about that, like when we're praying and how we come to him, when we're asking him, what is our, what is, is our demeanor and, and how are we speaking it? And I just think, man, am I coming to him in this place? Are we coming to him in this place that says, hey, I'm here, the one that you love. Or do we, do, we have, do we think that we have to, have to remind him who we are whenever we're coming before him? I don't know, maybe if it's been a long time since you've come to him and asked, you know, in, in, in that prayer time, you might think that you have to, but you don't. Because he knows you and he loves you. you know, he hadn't seen Lazarus for a while. Mary and Martha, he was gone off doing the ministry that his father had called him to do and they sent for him and they came and just said, the one who you love is sick. Because they knew that he knew them, that he knew Lazarus. Lazarus, I'm, I promise. One time I was speaking and kept saying Lazarus with a T-H and I promise I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm going to get it right. But they said, Lord, the one who you love is sick. We feel that we need to remind him who we are. Or do we understand and know that he knows us better than we know ourselves? We don't have to remind him of what's going on in the world. We don't have to remind him what's going on in ourselves and and, and, and what, you know, is happening. Like, I don't have to tell him like he doesn't know because he knows. I, do you guys understand? Oh, man. Do you, do you get that? You think, oh, yeah, he knows what's going on. No, he knows what's going on in your life with you personally. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you, and he wants the best for you. He wants good for you. He knows you. And that's why it's so crazy whenever in verse 4 he comes and he says, when Jesus heard that, 11 verse 4, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. Each of them individually. It doesn't say he loved their family. He, he loved you know, what they had done even. Because they had done such and such, he loved them. But no, it said he loved each. And think about this. Each one of them individually were so very different. Remember Mary, Martha, 
Very different. And Lazarus also. It wasn't because of their personality or who they are, who they were, you know, or what they had done. Like I said, it was because they were his. He loved them. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. I don't know about you, when you just go reading through this, you're like, are anybody else? You're like, wait, what? He loved them. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. Let's just wait on this. No hurry. He's fine. <clears throat> Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. And a word unto, you know what it means? It means to the advantage of. So he's saying this, this sickness is not unto death. He's saying this sickness is not to the advantage of death. Death doesn't have the upper hand. See, do we know what, whatever is happening in our life right now, it doesn't have the advantage over our God. Our Savior who loves us, right? Even death. That's why this sickness isn't to the advantage of death. It doesn't have the upper hand. And the crazy, well, crazy, but interesting thing about this is that, is that, you know, when when Jesus said this, I th I'm pretty sure it, it, if you read. The story correctly, the days and the times, and I'm not good at math, but, you know, I think Lazarus was dead already at this point when Jesus said this. Because it takes a couple days to get there. They had sent word. He was dead four days by the time Jesus got back. Math, a little bit of math here, a little bit of math there. I think Lazarus was dead. So, and Jesus says, because... But he knows, right? So he knew that he was already dead. But when he's speaking, he says, right? Because he knows. But when he's speaking, he says, this sickness isn't to the advantage of death. It doesn't have the advantage over me. He says the end result, the, the, the end result of what is going on here is going to be for the glory of God. It's going to give God glory. Charles Spurgeon said about this, we should or we would have said that this sickness was unto death, but ultimately to the glory of God. But he who sees the end from the beginning streaks with a grandeur of style which could not be imitated by us. So the Lord speaks of things not as they seem to be, nor even as they are in the present moment, but as they shall be in the long run. I love that. He says for, for us, like in, the, in how we can comprehend it, he's like, you know, is. This is going to be 
to the glory of God, but I'm not going to make it through this. That's what we would say. But he says, because he's not just looking at our situation and what has happened or what's happening right now, but he's looking from the end to the beginning and he says, this is not to the advantage of death. This is not going to happen. Not on my watch. So in verse 6 it says, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. It's interesting. Probably confusing to the disciples. Most likely very agonizing for Mary and Martha to, to be in this place where they're like, hey, Jesus, come. You love him. You love us. And, and we know that you come and you, you will work for those that you love. You will do this. And he says, I'm going to wait a while. But he was thinking of something much more than these worldly circumstances and these things that were happening right in that moment, he was thinking about what God wanted to do. How he wanted to work. How he could get the glory. I, I mean, can, can we have that posture in what we're walking through? To say, God, I, I, I trust you in this place that I'm. I trust you in this place where I feel like it's not going okay, but I know that you will work this out for good. I know that you will come through. I know that you have the victory over this situation. But he waited two more days. Are, are we okay in the waiting? Are, are we okay? Many times we get frustrated, confused, angry, don't know what's going on because, you know, God's not telling us every little detail of why He's doing what He's doing. But do we trust Him in the waiting? Saying, God, I know. I know that you love me. Then in John 11, verse 7, it says, Then after this, he said to his disciples, after he waited two more days, just saying, hey, we're going to stay here. It doesn't even say a reason. You know, like there was an actual reason besides that he wanted to work it out for God's glory and not for them. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea, Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, you uh, to stone you and are going there again. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him.
said, let's go to Judea. Jesus could have raised Lazarus from where he was. But he's not afar off and he's going to come when we ask him to come. Might not be when we ask him to come, right? But he's going to come. And the disciples are freaking out. They're saying, you, you can't go back there because they were going to stone. Look, they're going to be there and they're going to attack you. And we don't want you to go. And in these things that Jesus said, it's a, a little bit confusing. Some, I mean, I felt like it was confusing. I don't know about you. He says, there's, aren't there 12 hours in a day? There's day, there's night. I'm going to walk in the day. If you walk in the night, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall. And in this, what Jesus is, is saying to them is he's saying, sunset hasn't come on my life yet. It's not my time to die. I'm walking where God has asked me to walk and doing what he has asked me to do. And while I'm in that place, see, my days are numbered, he says. There's a time that I will die, that that night will come where this fleshly body will, you know, be crucified. He says, but that time hasn't come. It's still daylight. And I'm going to walk in this daylight and do what God has asked me to do. In John 11, 11 says, these things he said. And after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus, is, listen, you guys are a little slow. Lazarus is dead. 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. It says, our friend Lazarus sleeps, and I go that I can wake him up. Many other times in the Bible, there this this word is used, sleep is used as death. And if you look this word up, one of it is to go to sleep, but it's also used for death. And in different, a couple of other times in the Bible, it says that this person went to sleep and it means that they die. And so he was using that maybe because he wanted to be a little vague, maybe not, I don't know. Maybe it's because he knew that this death didn't actually have power over Lazarus, but that God's power would overcome death in his life. And he says, this death isn't death, it's just sleeping. He says, I'm going to go and wake him up. And then this verse 14, I don't know if you caught it when we read it. After he made it clear that he was talking about Lazarus, 
being dead and not just asleep as we would think asleep, but no, he's dead, but I'm going to go wake him up. And in verse 14, it says, then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. How could Jesus be glad that he wasn't there to heal him? And when you think about this, you're like, ha! He says, I'm glad that I wasn't there for your sake. He's saying, I'm glad that you are going to be able to learn and grow from this, and you're going to be able to come to a better place of trust in who I am and faith in who I am. And when I think about this and what he said, it, it makes me think about our situations and what we're going through. How can we have joy in whatever situation, whatever season that we're in, or darkness, or thing that pit that we feel like? How can we have joy in those moments? It's because it's because we have Him. It's because we know that He has the advantage over us. Do we believe that he has the advantage over that situation, no matter how long it takes? See, he was glad. He, even knowing that he had died, that Lazarus had died, he said he was glad because he knew the outcome. No matter what's going on in our lives, I can, I can know, you can know the outcome. You say, how do, how do I know that? I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in that season, but I know that God is going to do a work in your life, whether now or a year from now, He's going to do something, and the outcome will be that you know Him better, and the outcome will be that He has the victory. I can tell you that. And I can say that even if it's the end of my life and I go from here to heaven, He has the victory. And I'm better for it. So no matter what situation I'm in, I can say, God, I'm going to stand in your peace. We can do that because we know that ultimately he has the victory over sin and death. That ultimately, for those that know him and love him, there is this, this life isn't life at all, right? I said that a couple weeks ago, I think. This isn't life. This is death. Life is eternity with him. So this is how we can have joy, even in the darkest places, knowing that He has the victory, knowing that we can trust Him and trust that the outcome will be to His advantage and the glory given to Him. John eleven seventeen 17 says, So when Jesus came, He found that He had already been in the tomb four days, 
Now Bethany was near Jerusalem and about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So first let's take this, this statement. He'd already been in the tomb four days. And now I'm going to explain to you why he waited four days. And I told you already a little bit that he waited four days because it would be to the glory of God and because he wanted to do it when it was only God who could do it, right? So in that time, they had this superstition that, that within three days that a spirit would hover over a body and if it was possible for them to actually come back to life, it would happen in three days. Somehow, if they were to come back to life. And even, you know, that, of course, that belief, that superstition is known to everybody. And I believe that even with Mary and Martha and those gathered around, that they probably, even if they weren't superstitious, probably were like, well, it's been four days. I mean, maybe three days, probably two days, oh, very likely one day, but four days, there's no way. So he waited. Four days because he said, he didn't say this, but I believe this is the point of why he did it, is that he wanted to go beyond any of their possible thoughts of it being anything but God. You know, so many times, and I, and I think about my own life and our lives in situations whenever God comes through, there's many a moments where a thought comes in our mind where it's like, well, did I do that? Or did, you know, it's like, did I do that or did God? So many times God is doing stuff in our life and we think it's us. In this moment, he waited beyond any of their thought process that this could possibly happen. So Martha said, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And you know she's thinking, and you know, it's, he's, he's died, and now it's four days. There's no way that this could happen. But she had just a little bit of faith, and she said, but even now, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She wasn't confident. She wasn't confident that Jesus would raise her brother, but she had a spark of faith. She had this little bit of faith that God could do something. Do we believe? Have, have we been knocked down so much that we've stopped believing God can do it? 
that we feel like it's been too long, too much time, too much has happened. There's no way that he's going to do it now. There's no way. How could he possibly even do it? There's just too much time and space in between that I don't feel like he can do this in my life. But do we believe that he still has the advantage? See, the amazing—he he's outside of time. He's outside of, of this natural world. We're in it, right? That's why we think there's too much time, too much has happened, I'm too far gone. I know people have said that. He can't do it for me, but he can't. He can't. She said, even now, I think about even now, even now in that circumstance, in that situation, in that pit, in that place that you're in, even now, even if I'm struggling to see how you can do it, God, I, I'm struggling because I can't figure it out with my natural mind, but even now, even now, you can do it. John eleven twenty three. Jesus said to her, "Your brother will rise again." I, I, I love, I love this. So even now, your brother will rise again. So she's like, I. He, she said, even now. If you ask God, I, I have a little spark of faith, and He said, "Your brother will rise again." And what does she say? Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Jesus was saying, your brother will rise again. And she said, well, I know that he's going to go to heaven, he's going to rise again. But that's not what we wanted. We wanted him to be alive right now. She didn't realize that he was meaning even now just as she had spoken. Even now, he will do it. She didn't even consider that he would immediately bring Lazarus from the dead. She just said, I know that he'll rise again in the last day. But in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection in the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. See, Jesus was saying to her, he says, listen, he says, he doesn't say, I have resurrection in life. He doesn't say, I believe too that he will be resurrected. He doesn't say, I have the power of resurrection and life. He says, I am resurrection and life. That's who he is. He is life. 
He is resurrection. When we're, oh, it is Him who He is that brings life to these mortal bodies. It's Him that raises from the dead. It's who He is. Not just what He does. It's who He is. He said, He who believes in Me, though He may die, He shall live. He said, If you believe, if you have faith and believe in Me, Saying all this, he's, he's leading us up to this moment of the cross. Knowing what's going to happen and speaking these things, kind of putting those in our hearts, saying, if you believe, if I'm the resurrection and the life. Things are going to happen that you have no idea here in the near future, but I want you to know that I'm the resurrection and the life. And if anyone believes in me and has that faith and trust in me, he may never die. Now, he doesn't say that everybody is going to be resurrected in our mortal bodies. In this statement, he's saying, death will have no sting. That what we're talking about, that even if, even when, that time comes that we pass from, from here to heaven. Even then, there's no sting in death. Said, you shall live, right? To truly live. To truly live is to live with Him for eternity. He said, do you believe this? He didn't, he didn't challenge her or try to debate her her or appeal to her intellectual abilities. Right? He didn't say, do you understand this? Do you understand what I'm saying? And he's not saying that to you. Do you understand what's going on and what's going to happen and what I'm saying to you? He didn't say, do you understand it? He says, do you believe it? Is there faith in you to trust what I am doing and how I'm going to do it and that I do have the victory? Is there faith and trust in you that I will? I will do it. Do you believe? She said, I believe. You know, in this statement of I believe, it, it's this I is emphatic. It's almost like she yelled it, like I believe. And, and I think about that and I want to have a trust in him that is a yelling, I believe. Not, not coming to him in a sulking and, and groveling way of, yeah, I, I believe. But no, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you're the resurrection and life. I believe that you have victory over sin and death. I believe that no matter what this situation is, you will do a work in my life. Maybe not when I, when I think, 
but I know you will do it. Do you believe that He is God? Do you believe that He can do it? Do you believe that He is with you? I'm going to continue this next week, but I want you to stand with me. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.